Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. It is Monday, which means it's time for the Front Free with me, Adam Bower, the one and only Lawrence McKenna. What time does it not mean it's time for the Front Free? Uh, the times when we're not doing the Front Free, you know? Yeah. Those We've been so times. inconsistent with these podcasts during the Euros. We're like, it is this day. day. <laughs> Dave O'Brien's here as well. Yeah, you know, when, it was, when we fancy it, Lawrence, you know. As and when. Yeah. As and when. Um, guys, there has been a lot of football action. Of course, the last podcast, I believe, Lawrence and Chris were talking about Poland, Portugal. Of course, there have been three more games since then, guys. Three big games. Uh, we're going to discuss all that, preview the semi-finals, as well as do a little transfer talk, I think, because there's been about, I believe, 900 done deals since Friday when the transfer window officially opened. I think, I think 9,000, right. Adam. 9,000, you're right. I'm sorry. Um, it's actually 9 million. Yes. There's yes, been a lot of transfers. Way more accurate. Um, I do want to read out uh, the comment of the week, as always. We had a, a couple of reviews coming in from around the world. Uh, first up, we've got CJSM Ready from Ireland. Wonderful. Love this podcast. Been listening since day one. Great group of lads. They said they'd answer my question on the podcast after I stood into their Twitter DMs that they didn't. But I've forgiven them because I'm sure the intention was there. Boltwood is a king, he says. Um, Wait, uh, did you go and find the DM? Uh, no, I didn't actually. Uh, because <laughs> how do you how do you correlate it with the iTunes name? They're completely different. Do you know what I mean? The iTunes review names are always different from the Twitter names. Maybe he should re-message us and say. Ooh, there you have it, CJSM ready. Slide into them DMs again. Comment of the week, though, has got to go to Ali Alidi from Saudi Arabia. Now, I like this comment. He said... That's an actual exotic place, yeah? I don't have friends that are interested in football to talk with, so while listening to the podcast, I feel like I am talking with my friends. Thank mm, you for the great podcast. How nice is that from Ali Alidi? He I doesn't have the guys who are sort of into the football. We can't talk to them. He's listening to the podcast. He gets involved with us. That's what it's all about, guys. That is what it all What's wrong with your friends? Um, got to give a shout out as well to the main man, Solomon. On Twitter, always sending in the beautiful gifts, the photoshops, all that good stuff. He was in London. He was in town mm. this weekend. He DM'd us. We met up with him tonight. Me and Dave had a nice few drinks to him, a nice few Nando's. Absolute gent. Thank you so much for listening, Solomon. Thank you so much for meeting up with us. Had a wonderful time. Um, and yeah, just what a guy. What a nice Very guy. Yeah. What was his comment? What do he hasn't got a comment I just wanted to give him a shout out for oh he did he he has sent us a question um, which I recorded in person the first ever in person question for the front three which I'll uh, I'll sort of we'll we'll answer that at the end of the show where's Lawrence oh we'll answer that at the end of the show essentially I'll splice that in for now though um, as I said Lawrence and Chris dissected Poland Portugal me and Dave are covering that one on TFR Live Uh, somewhat interesting game Portugal through um, probably the the most exciting game of the round, though, has to be said, Dave, was Wales-Belgium. On Friday night, Wales beating Belgium 3-1. Somewhat of a shock to some, but it has to be said, Wales deserve to go through. And it has to be said, Adam, that it wasn't a shock to me. You Ooh, know, go back to... He predicted it. He week. said it. And, 
and he bloody said it. He called it. He called all the problems, and it bloody happened. But that was a great performance from Wales. Gareth Bale was awesome. Aaron Ramsey, what a performance. He's going to be a massive miss for the, the semi-final. His energy in that attacking third was, was absolutely brilliant against um, Belgium. But it sort of just, you know, it really sort of unearthed this problem with this Belgium team. They just don't defend as a unit. You know, the last goal that came in, crossed from their left-hand side, the left wing-back, Neil Taylor, got up very well. Um, trapped by Mertens but the defensive effort from Mertens was very very poor he trapped his run but he didn't put a tackle in free cross into the box header from Sam Vokes it was just the classic goal to see what the weakness of this Belgium side is that they're just so such a broken unit and they again have such talent but have, have fallen short again at a big big tournament How much criticism do you think Mark Wilmot's deserved because like you say a massively talented squad but some people saying that Mark Wilmot's is <laughs> a fraud I think, yeah, he's, he's got to take some stick because he does inherently have a very talented side, but he, he just didn't make any big decisions. He didn't bring any workers with him, any players that put shifts in. So that, that was the issue in midfield, especially in that defensive transition. They're just not good enough. And you, you can't win tournaments in this, in the current state of modern football where pressing and um, playing in a, a very compact style is so key. If you can't do that on this stage, people are going to tear you apart. And that's what Wales did so well. You know, the... The, the formation is a thing of beauty. Uh, I really, really like this Welsh uh, the formation, the 3-4-2-1, uh, similar to what Germany tried to play against Italy, but the Welsh have got it down to an absolute T. And I just, there's going to be questions in the next game. Uh, probably talk about that in the, the um, preview for the for the semi-finals. But there's just a few things like the booking of Ramsey. Ben Davis is going to be missing. Really big, you know, key components to this system. Speaking of the next game, Lawrence, obviously Portugal meeting Wales in the semi-finals now, the game being billed as Ronaldo versus Bale. Bale came out of all the cliches today. It's all about it's about eleven men, you know, we're not focusing on one player. But as Dave says, they've got a few crucial players out. I mean, how, how do you think this one's gonna go? Who's your money on? That's a good question because actually it, you know, both sides have been really they've had their questionable games, not least Portugal. Uh, who haven't won a game in 90 minutes in this tournament. That's a pretty great stat. Um, and we keep, I, keep, I keep going back to the same thing of uh, 92 Denmark, 2004 uh, Greece, 2016. Who's it going to be this year? And you sort of think, oh, well, you know, it's obviously going to be the underdog or the team that no one expects to win it. And then you think, well, there's two of those in this round. So is it Portugal or is it Wales? But the fact is that one of those guys is going to be in the final. And is it about who deserves it more or is it about whose system plays better? And I worry that maybe Ramsey is a little too integral to the system of Wales, that removing him and taking that away at just that moment. I know that, he, you know, Coleman's a clever manager and has had to work around that before, especially in the qualifiers. But with the bringing in of Sanchez and the control that Portugal showed, in the midfield areas in the last game, I think this one's going to be edged by Portugal. Uh, what do you I reckon? Mean, it's, Dave... I mean, it's always lovely to sort of go, well, obviously, I'd love it, I'd love it to be Wales, <laughs> having said that. Oh, yeah, but, the heart says Wales. But it's all, obviously, it's bloody easy to sit back and, <laughs> you know, if you always call the underdog, in the end, you're going to be right. <laughs> what do you reckon, Dave? Are you still going to be calling the underdog or Wales going to get through to the final? No, I've got to go back to my prediction of Portugal-Germany final. I think that's, good. that's definitely on field with Portugal, they've just got enough. They're very gritty, very determined, and a lot of work in midfield. It's, it's just a classic. The, the funniest thing about this is if they do, like we mentioned, if they do get to the final, they do win it without winning a game in 90 minutes. That'll just be so... Insane. <laughs> yeah, it'd be, it'd be funny in a way. But Ronaldo has to start scoring. We've said it before, but he has to. He's had so many shots that eventually one of these is going to go in. He had a very, very <laughs> poor performance against Poland. Two sitters he absolutely missed. You know, again, oh, he had yeah, a ball that geez. came over his his left shoulder and, and completely misconnected with the ball. So I just feel with Ronaldo, it's, it's going to come. William Carvalho is going to be a big miss. For scored his penalty though, Dave. Scored his penalty there. That's what the matters. He did score his penalty. Yeah, yeah, okay. And two goals in the previous game. Yeah, but uh, two, go two goals against Hungary, but then in the knockout stages hasn't really come alive. But yeah, I do feel uh, William Carvalho in central midfield has been brilliant 
uh, really controlling the, the play when when Portugal sort of get an upper hand in the game. So he's going to be missing. So Danilo's going to come in. But I feel like the Portuguese maybe need to sort of shift their midfield and go maybe go into a four three three shape with Nani, Ronaldo, and Cresma up top with uh, Danilo, Sanchez, and then one of um, Joao Mario or Joao Moutinho maybe. In I just think they need to change that without um, Carvalho's sort of distribution. I feel they need a to be a little bit different in midfield. Sanchez was so, so, so good against uh, Poland in the first half, especially. Really weird how the manager again pushed him out wide. I don't, really don't get that. You know, he had a, such a fantastic game playing as a central midfielder and then was pushed to the, the left wing. It was crazy, but his stats were unreal. He completed 34 out of 35 passes in the final third, which is a joke, an absolute joke of a completion rate for an area absolute where it's, it's so joke. condensed of players. And you're managing to keep a 97% pass completion rate. It's insane. He's a talent, and you know people that criticised him. Uh, you know people potentially who haven't seen him uh, before his move to Bayern Munich, are saying, "Oh yeah, Man United didn't sign him because he's not good." You know, just watch him a little bit more, and you'll you'll find out. He really should out. He sort of shone. Who in said them. that? It's just been going around. I've heard a lot of criticism about him um, before the Euros, and it, I I very much am a massive Renato Sanchez fan I thought it was excellent you know for the Benfica Zenit game and the um, Benfica versus Atletico game but he was getting criticism you know he's too lightweight not too lightweight but he's too inconsistent and so forth but I feel like he really really had an impact on that Poland game and I do think that he can have a massive impact on this tournament still let's talk about Germany Italy this was the game going on on Saturday obviously ended one all somewhat of a shambolic penalty shootout Dave I think it's fair to say <laughs> yeah, have you? The, the best thing I've seen, right? Um, on Twitter, uh, somebody's done an image of where they put all the penalties on top of each other. That's really weird. It's really confusing. I don't know what to make of that. Yeah, but the thing with that is, it's, it's really funny because all the Italian players run to the ball and strike it, and it's the ball's in the back of the net, and then the Zaza run is still going on, <laughs> and it's still crossing to the spot <laughs> and blasts over the bar. I'll have to. I'll, I'll tweet out the uh, front free Twitter account, but it's very funny. Very, very. I found it very amusing. <laughs> Are you watching it now? Uh, I was looking for it. Um, what of the actual game itself? I'm literally watching it right now. It's extremely <laughs> amusing. Uh, Dave, what of the actual game itself? Though? I mean, obviously, like I say, ended one all normal time, into extra time. I mean, did any team deserve to edge it? Was it fair that Germany won out on penalties or? Well, I think tactically it was very interesting. The Germans went with a back three. You know, a very bold move from Joachim Lota to match the Italians because the Italians were catching out teams. They caught, they caught Italy out. Sorry, they caught Spain out and they caught out the Belgium by sort of playing this pressing 3-5-2 uh, that in some stage looks like a 3-1-6. Um, incredible amount of pressure. So Germany went with the back three so they could play out from the back and the the key the key battle with the wing backs you know it was um, Jonas Hector and Kimmich versus um, De Siglio and Ferenzi um, and you'd say that Kimmich really could have changed his game he created more chances than any other German player three chances but they weren't of any quality and I feel if they had a you know a natural wing back in that role you know like a Philip Lahm or even you throw a, a Julian Draxler there or a Leroy Sane mm. you've got someone that can do something with that ball and I feel like it was a uh, you know, Kimmich is a defensive midfielder. It's a bit unfair to criticise him for his performance at right wing back in a very specialised position. But I feel like he could have changed that game, or Joaquim Lowe could have changed the system and put on a you know someone that's better at dribbling with the ball, better at um, crossing from a wide area, and it could have changed it. Because on the other side, jo- um, Jonas Hector I thought was brilliant, really, really good. You know, key component for the goal. I think he won six out of six of his tackles, which was a really all round brilliant game. So it was it was just a, a a game that could have been changed by a simple tactical change from one of the managers but nobody went for it and they sort of they were kind of happy um to go for the shootout and then interestingly you know the Schweinsteiger thing if you've seen it the referee um they flip the coin Schweinsteiger wins the the flip and he says we're going to go to the Italians and uh, we're going to go to that end, sorry. And the referee goes, you know, that's the Italian end. And he went, yes, I do know. Um, and his decision was actually, you know, he was interviewed after the game and he was like, why? So why did you do that? Um, and he went, yeah, against Chelsea, um, Chelsea by Munich. We played in front of the Bayern Munich fans um, and we lost. And then the Real Madrid by Munich game, the, the season after or the two seasons after they played in front of the Real Madrid fans and won that game. Uh, won the penalty shootout. So that was his thinking that he he went in front of the Italians <laughs> and they went on to win. So it's really like football is, is fun. It's fascinating with like the psychology, psychology behind those types of things and those types of decisions. But yeah, Germany went on to, to win the shootout. So Schweinsteiger was correct in his 
methodology. It was a mad penalty shoot as well. Seven missed penalties. Um, <laughs> of course, Zaza's as well, as Dave points out beforehand. Germany missing their first penalty in a shootout since 1982. Of course, wow. going on to miss three altogether. Still managed to get through the Lawrence. Um, obviously, coming up against France in the next round, we'll come on to that game next. But I mean, who do you? Who's your pick to go through in that one? Because obviously, France, the favourites, you'd probably say uh, to win the whole thing, the host nation. Do you think Germany are going to do a job on them? You, you, uh, I feel like this, this may well. This may well be France get where they get found out. I feel. That's what I'm kind of worried about because, you know, obviously the the overconfidence apparently of the Icelandic team did ultimately sort of contribute towards their downfall. Some people apparently not coming to meals on time, all those kind of things. You know, whether that's hearsay or conjecture or whatever, it's still, uh, it sounds like after what happened with England, there was kind of a piece. Is that so? The, the um, Iceland team got a big too big third boost, did they? I mean, I think they just got a little bit into it. Maybe they, you know, the things which maybe originally took them there were also um, left behind a little too early. And you just wonder if maybe if they've just continued with that, that idea at least, Uh, which I imagine they did. And I imagine they tried to do. But I, you know, sometimes things just get out of hand or it's just they used up all their luck against England. Um, By the way, I don't believe in that concept. And then France basically were just a better set outside uh, and, and went through because they were actually a better set out team and uh, scored a good early goal. Didn't sit back on that. Didn't uh, use awful, awful tactics. Um, and then uh, still think they can win the game. So I, I, personally, I think it'll be Germany that go through in this one. Uh, I think France have a lot of belief. But I think there have been too many times where they've too late something's happened the, um, and I think Yogi Love believes that this will be back-to-backs for Germany the thing about France is Dave obviously winning 5-2 in that quarter-final against Iceland um, looked very impressive going forward but of course all the reaction in France was about how shaky they looked at the back conceding two to Iceland I mean what do you make of that? Well I think they took the foot off the gas right Olivier Giroud went off Gignac came on the, the game completely changed there but I think... take Giroud off though right but he's yeah, on a hat-trick yeah, that's a fair point there. You know, Giroud's a big player on confidence. We know that for his, from when he plays for Arsenal. You know, he'll score 10 in a row, then he won't score for 10 games. So it was, a, it was an interesting move from Deschamps. Again, I've been quite critical of Deschamps over this tournament, and I still probably am. But I think what they, what he did get right, Deschamps, is he finally started Anton Griezmann again at attacking midfield with Olivier Giroud. Their combination play, those two forwards, was brilliant. You know, the, the Griezmann goal, the ball from Pogba to the, the touch to Giroud, the, the like, very deft depth touch to play Griezmann through and then Griezmann chipped the keeper what a goal that was and that's what France should have been doing you know Griezmann's been directly involved in six goals in this tournament that's more than any other player but five of those goals you know being involved in five of those goals have come in the knockout stages when he's been playing as an attacking midfielder playing his natural role as second striker so it's, it's just been weird to see Deschamps take so long to get it but now I think they've found balance in midfield with Matuidi Pogba and then Deschamps ahead of that with um, you know Moussa Sissoko played on the right hand side uh, against Iceland and, and did a had a pretty decent game, you know, was functional, did a good job, and then Payet obviously on the, the crater on the other side. So I think they finally found they finally found a bit of balance, and we're playing like Samuel and Titi as well against the team like um, Iceland makes sense to me. You know, a ball player completed a hundred percent of his passes. Um, so in fact, he's got booked more times than he's completed passes so far um, for France which is pretty incredible. But I think Rami should come back in against Germany. It's going to be a backs-against-the-wall performance from France. I do imagine Germany will dictate the play. With Germany, though, I think they've definitely, you know, uh, unfortunately, Mario Gomez is injured, so no more button, which I am incredibly, incredibly sad about. Um, So it's it's just been a sad day all round for me. (laughs) You know, I've never been able to... Never again. Oh, just can't feel happy listening to that song anymore. There's a solemn tear no. running down my yeah. face. Yeah, I was like an um, emotional roller coaster. But I think yeah, Thomas Muller getting up, get put him up front. He's had a pretty indifferent tournament, not scored yet, still not scored at the Euros. But I feel if he put him up top with Drax there, one side, Sane the side, Mezzo Ozil behind, that's a lot of pace, that's a lot of ability. I think Germany are going to edge this game. Before we move on from Germany uh, and France, then Herr Solomon, the main man who we met tonight, asked us our first ever listener question in person. Here it is. Joachim Löw is not universally loved, especially in Germany. Some people think that he actually is made 
to look a lot better by some brilliant German players. How good of a coach is he really? Wow, big question. How good is um, he really? I think a lot of coaches do get a bad rep. I mean, it's, it's so difficult to evaluate a coach with great, um, great tools at his disposal because. I mean, they, they, it's not like he's sort of going to go, okay, great, watch me download, downgrade this Germany side and they'll still do well. Um, there are going to be, there's going to be a measure of this when obviously we see his midfield rotated with Kadira out. Uh, obviously, you know, Dave was talking about the experience of Schweinsteiger, but we'll see if maybe they cope with a different shape against a side that's more likely to question that. Um I also think it's a lot about behind the scenes, just keeping harmony, uh, you know, constructing a squad, all those kind of things. We see that there are some managers who got even just those basics wrong at this tournament. Um, and it, I mean, no, it's, it's not just England. They, you know, there's a, a couple of managers who maybe put the wrong guys in. Some people have been very fortunate. And, you know, it's a, I think as managers, it's about sort of guiding a side in the right way and being aware of that. Um, and I think a lot of people... Uh, you. Uh, I think unless you've had almost a direct experience that you might not know what it's like to guide that group of guys. I mean, you know, you've got so many different variables to think about when it comes down to that. 23 different people, uh, culturally, uh, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, all of them have something there that you need to look after. Um, and, you know, every coach takes a different uh, takes a different approach. But, you know, even just to get to this level in the first place, lay out a team like that and get them to execute in such a way. You know, yeah, even, just, kind of, even, just, even just for Gomez to be making the kind of runs that he was before he went off, that is something that takes a certain kind of intelligence. You can't fault him for his players being intelligent and him getting that out of them, because very often you, you find the opposite for some other managers. I think there's a lot of lot of discussion points for this. You know, one that yeah, he he does very well at international football. International football is a di different kettle of fish to club management. You know, you're seeing these players, um, you know, once every three months, once every two months. So you know, to get the rotation of, of G the German system like he has done, you know, play a false nine or three at the back. Um, you know, a classic number nine in a four two three one. There's a lot of variation. You know, when Joachim Lowe first came onto the Germany scene, they were playing brilliant counter-attacking football with Podolski, Miroslav closer, um, and, and Mezit in behind there and Thomas Muller obviously and that's sort of like completely transitioned now to a completely different team with different skills and different qualities but the interesting thing about international football you know the counterpoint to maybe he is a poor coach is that you know he's got on the back of uh, a very good manager being in Germany and Pep Guardiola that kind of has really changed this German style and philosophy you know go back to the days when um, your Peckins won the Champions League with that Bayern team they were counter-attacking for fun and they were brilliant they basically copied the Borussia Dortmund style and that was um, replicated on the national team, uh, the, the Mannschaft. But now, with obviously Pep was at Bayern, different style of football, a possession-based game, which kind of went on to take, you know, gave them that extra component to win the Ch win the World Cup. Sorry, not the Champions League, the World Cup. Um, so it's you, it's a lot of factors at international football because it's not you're, you're not seeing the, the the coach isn't seeing them every single day. They're with their club coach, and that's where I think there is a you know, especially with players someone like Vincent Del Bosque who. Um, did very well at the, the height of Spanish football, but then as soon as it got a bit tough and a bit sticky, didn't have many answers to the, the, the problem. So um, again, yeah, they do. The Germans do have a, a wonderful side and whatever, and it, it will be difficult to evaluate this without knowing the intricacies of what actually happens on the training pitch. Let's move on to some transfer chat. And then first, off, let's start about some done deals, guys, because like you say, there's been nine million done deals in the last week. Finally, Dave, on Friday. Zlatan Ibrahimovic to Manchester United was confirmed. A free signing, of course. Everyone's very excited. I'm very excited to see Zlatan in the Premier League. Now, the thing is, I know we've got our bet going. You know, you think he's going to score. We update the listeners about our bet, Adam, because it's uh, got a bit more extreme. We changed the, the stakes on TFR Live uh, last week. Basically, if the loser has to dye their hair blonde, bleach blonde, essentially. That's not actually going to happen, though, is it? Yeah, I'm more than willing to do it. I'm 100% I'm confident that I'm going to win. If I don't, then I deserve to dye my hair bleach uh, blonde. We'll also do it for charity as well. This, yeah, this, uh, we'll try and do some charity page. So and, you know, I some money. am You will need a charity if you do that. I am betting that he's not going to score more than 20 league goals a season. Dave, you have ownership over the, the number 20. So if he does score mm -hmm. 20 or more league goals, then you don't have to dye your hair blonde. I will take that. I will take that. 
punishment, essentially. Do you not just worry that he's just going to unleash on some of these lower sides? Maybe. I just feel like... I know, I, <laughs> he is a very well, you've good You've already player. made I'm, that, Adam. You're fucked. Yeah. Like, I just don't worry feel... that it's like a Luis Suarez-esque sort of, oh, hey, Norwich, 4-0. No, I think you know he probably scored. He's a, he's he might score. The way there. He might well score twenty goals in all competitions. But we're talking pure league goals. Not many players got twenty or more league goals last season. Is Latin Ibrahimovic a thirty-five-year-old striker who may well not be starting every single game? I don't know. Honestly, both of you seem mental. Like what? Both of you have made mental decisions mm-hmm. because you're blonde. basing it on something which really could swing either way. You have no idea how often. Yeah, there's so many variables at play. It's so there's early so to make such variables. a prediction. And you're That's the fun, that Lawrence. That's the fun, the danger. You know? It's not the fun of bleach blonde. What's the hair? fun in doing it when the season starts? You've got to do it based on Your nothing. Your eyebrows are very dark. Yes. <laughs> and I'm going to look. Fine, I'm sure. <laughs> but listen, Dave, look. I was seriously thinking about sporting that look a uh, couple of days ago. I'm still thinking about possibly doing it just for a laugh. I'll do the Aaron Ramsey. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll Dave. Let's say it has to last for a week minimum. Is that? Is that? Oh no, I'm, I'm going to keep it. I'm going to style it out. What you're going to do it permanently? Well, no, no, we just leave it for a bit, right? Fuck, bottom right. Of that. Fair play. Um, okay, so listen. I, for me, I'm very excited to him in the Premier League. It makes sense off the pitch. I understand shirt sales, all this sort of stuff. You can see the excitement around Zlatan coming. On the pitch, I've got my doubts. But, I mean, how do you think he's going to fit in at Manchester United? Obviously, you're excited, Dave. Oh, yeah. He's, I think 100% excitement levels because that's what Zlatan you know, does bring to a club. It's that enthusiasm, that belief in himself, self-confidence, arrogance. Something that Man United lacked mm. the last few seasons. So, I think well, it's, he's the perfect player. And yeah, what a talent he is. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. And he is coming to his prime. This is his prime right now. With target men hit their prime, sort of mid thirties, and that's what Zlatan is right now. Um, his movement is fantastic in terms of running behind, coming to the ball, um, or playing up against a striker. He's kind of got it all, and I feel it'd be perfect to bring the likes of Mkhitaryan, the likes of Anthony Martial in um, on the counter attack. You know, turning, getting his head up, and playing those through balls or just getting shots away. There's a big thing. Zlatan scored six goals from outside the area last season. Um, for PSG, no player in Europe's top five league scored more, but it was the, the variation of his finishes outside the area, sort of the low strikes, top corners, uh, you know, the free kicks and all that. But then also in the penalty area where he, the majority of his goals came from, all inside the penalty area, 25 of them were one touch inside the penalty area. Um, so he, he's a player that is right now at his, at his top for me. That's why I kind of took that back because I feel like he... He's ready. He's ready for this last this last sort of challenge in Europe. Maybe if he does go to America next season or wherever he goes, or even signs an extension at Manchester United. You know, he can't rule that out. But I just feel Zlatan and the Premier League and Mourinho all make sense. Wow. Okay. What about Gregor Krahoviak to PSG? I know you're a fan of this player, Dave, and you know this is a, a good move. Yeah, I think it's, a, it's an excellent move. I think PSG sort of need that, that upgraded defensive midfield. They've got Thiago Motta in there, but now they've got a midfield of Matuidi um, who can play that energetic role, overlapping the left winger and um, stretching teams with his pace, his, his just agility and his general exuberance for the game. Um, and then you've got Verratti, one of the best central midfielders in world football in terms of dictating. And then Krovac, who can be the destroyer slash dictator. I've been very, very impressed by his performances for, for Poland. So good at breaking up the play. So good at being in the right place at the right time in the penalty area. And like being very uh, skillful on the ball in that zone. You know, a zone where he's picked the ball up, nicked the ball off a 
um, an opposition attacker and then managed to dribble out that situation. He did it so many times and it was very, very encouraging. And PSG with, with Unrai Emery are going to be a very difficult team. You could expect them to go very far in the Champions League just because it's um, Emery's style in a way that he does like to play on the break and he does like to have a very physical, imposing side. And with Edison Carvani, who has had a lot of stick and a lot of criticism since moving to PSG, but for me, because he was you know, understudied to Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Now he's got that freedom. Now he's going to be playing through the middle Just instead of playing shine. out wide left. So <laughs> it's time to shine. And what Emery's done with strikers in the past is turn them into greats. You know, Kevin Gramero, Carlos Bacala, the list goes on and on. Another player that PSG signed, of course, Lawrence, is Hatem Ben Arfa. Um, obviously, 17 goals last season, six assists. Uh, Seems like a bit of a weird one on the surface. Um, bit it's of a career move back there, though, wasn't it? His whole point of the move back, back to France. Uh, was that he's, you know, he spent his time at the, always pushing to be one of those top level players. I think the whole point of moving back uh, to the continent was to basically put himself in the shop window exactly like this. And I think he was marketed around those top sides. You know, people. <laughs> I do think it's very clever how people were sort of talking about him possibly signing for Barcelona because I think it very much puts him on the uh, PSG radar because they kind of go, wait, that that Barcelona. Hang on, kind of, <laughs> we, we should take a look at this guy. Hang on. Um, uh, I I, always, I don't know why I always think of PSG as really naive like that. I don't know why. Like they just sort of go. They get sucked. they drawn in by that sort of stuff. <laughs> like, is uh, who's this Paul Pogba guy? Is he good? Pogba, eh? Pogba. Pogba, yes. Pogba, boom. Mm. Um, <laughs> I always think of them like that. Uh, <laughs> imagine they're a really intelligent set of guys. Um, it, it, I think it's, uh, I think it's a, a really great move because he's, he is such a talented player, but I also think it was getting to the point where if he didn't move, then you know, he probably was going to end up living out a career which most people thought was unfulfilled. Um, because you know he spent time with some of, the, some of the top sides already, and obviously Newcastle within that as well. Um, I think is I think it's great. I, I'm looking forward to. I think it's a great roll of the dice for them, and a really good risk to take. Why not take a risk on a player like that? Why not? Um, so many other done deals. We can't talk about them all. I'll just reel through a few now. Uh, Steve Mandanda has moved to Crystal Palace from Marseille. Andros Townsend moving to Crystal Palace as well for 13 million. Seems like good business. Uh, the Hulk. The Hulk has gone from Zenit St. Petersburg to Shanghai Shenua. Uh, for an, it's, a, it's a record, an Asian transfer free record, uh, 43-odd million pounds there. What got, are they paying that for? That is, isn't that ridiculous? Hey, mm. he's the Hulk, mate. He's got the best name in football. That's, mate, uh, Sven. He's going to sell a lot of shirts, mate. He's going to sell a lot <laughs> of shirts. Sven. Um, to be fair, he's really <laughs> named as Hulk. I mean, if someone named them, imagine the next player named Iron Man. Yeah, incredible. Of course you're going to sign him. Doesn't even matter how good he is. Yeah, um, like you're, you're literally, you're literally <laughs> going to sign Iron Man. Like, imagine if a player came from Brazil and he was literally called Batman. <laughs> yeah, you'd be like, like, wing, you're like well, Iron Robin. May as well it snap him up. We're going to sell a few shirts here. Um, also, Martin Stecklenburg has moved from Fulham to Everton. Uh, we've also got... Um, We've also got Danny Alves to Juventus, which has been confirmed in the past you week. You see video of him of him kicking the bottom of the... Top yeah. of the corona. No, I wish I had. He's just so exuberant. He just loves what's, life. What's I think he doing? Um, so his friend's got a corona and he's holding the corona and Danny Alves is kind of aiming at it with his foot and then he kicks the bottle and I guess the top of the corona because the bottle's so fizzy just pops <sighs> off and then he just wow, pours it all in his mouth and then spits it all out. Wow. Um, it's incredible. It's, a, you it's know, one way really to announce your signing. One way to announce yeah. it. Um, Arsenal have also signed to Kuma Asano. Not exactly the signing Arsenal fans were hoping for, I'm sure. Uh, one of the more interesting moves, I feel like, in the past week, Dave, was Nolito to Man City. Obviously, moving from Celta Vigo, Dave. You mean, you, um, you mean Sevilla? 20, no, Celta Vigo, Dave. 29 oh, years sorry. old, £14 million. Pounds. Some people questioning whether this guy is really the answer to City's problems up front. Well, I think what he what he'll um, he will give them is is a, a Barcelona player instantly that can play under Pep Guardiola at Manchester City that understands the zonal system that Guardiola will bring and understand his position within that system. He has to stay wide. He has to run in behind. He has to be functional. And I think that's what Nolito is. But also, he's a talented player. You know, some of the goals he scored from outside the area for Celta Vigo have been you know top top class finishes into the top corner. So he's got he'll have a few goals on him. I'd say what ten plus goals in the Prem. 
um, next season. And, uh, you know, it'll take the, the heat off the likes of Sterling, maybe, and the likes of De Bruyne to maybe find their feet before they have to get running. If he can, you know, get early, score a few goals for them, and then, you know, Guerrero can come on and so forth. So I feel mm. it's, it's a very good move to, for Manchester City just because he'll know Guardiola, he'll know what Guardiola's like and, and so forth. And, and and that'll be sort of, you know, ready to go. It's sort of like a, it's, instead of signing a player and then having to teach him how you want to play, Nelito will know what Guardiola wants already. I think we're really going to see how intelligent some of these guys are in the Man City side now because obviously, you know, Guardiola uh, expects a certain kind of intelligence and definitely a certain level of technical ability. Uh, and, you know, I think they were bought for those reasons. But, but I think it was also kind of assumed that because they, were, they came with these price tags, they would sort of fulfill that promise instantly. And some of those players obviously haven't, even though they've shown little glimpses of it. It's going to be a real challenge for him to bring those out because obviously, you know, at Barca, those guys are taught that from a young age. So when you are inculcated within that, you know, idea, then that's that's great because, you know, anyone new comes in, they can pick it up a lot easier. And if they don't, hey, you can always find the next guy. Bayern, they were very open to that. I think, you know, they were very open to the learning process. And a lot of those players already very technically gifted and great players at reading the game. We're sort of going to see another amplified Pep Guardiola effect here, at least from my side, thinking about, you know, how he teaches the players, what knowledge actually passes on and how players uh, synthesize that and then put that into their game. We'll see, I think from both sides, a real challenge. What do you make of um, Michi Batshuayi to Chelsea as well, Lawrence? £33 million, probably the biggest deal done so far uh, in monetary terms in a transfer window. Obviously a player chased by so many clubs, uh, Chelsea needing including backup, Palace. including Palace, including Spurs, West Ham as well, apparently chasing him. I mean, obviously, Chelsea needed backup up front. There's talk of Costa leaving. Uh, some question marks over whether this guy possesses the quality that Chelsea need. Some people are a little bit worried about this being a flash in the pan. Uh, I, th- I think I, w- I want to see this played out. Drogba was incredibly excited to see him signed. Uh, you know, because of everything that he sort of represents at the club. Some Chelsea fans calling him the new Drogba, getting very excited. Uh, literally just linking, I mean, you know, obviously has aspects of that play, but I, I think a lot of people would sort of relate a lot of strikers uh, with aspects of those sort of play. Is he big? Yeah. Does he have physicality to him? Oh, at times, he's Drogba. Um, wait. He's Drogba. He's just Drogba. The guy, yeah, the guy's tall? Good God. And wait, he has a sense of humour. <gasps> he's um, Drogba. So I think, uh, you know, we're obviously going to see, I, I think the interesting side is what Conte does with all these guys. We've seen what he's done uh, with Italy and how fascinating that was. However, what we didn't see in a very short tournament with Italy is how worn out players get uh, over an entire season. Um, although maybe what will serve Conte well in his first season is he's not in Europe. Um, but I, I'm looking forward to seeing him playing in Conte system because I think it's going to be a a good mix of uh, Conte and Bacuayi. Final done deal from last week. A significant deal was Nampali's Mendy from Nice, uh, signing for Leicester on a four-year contract. Some people saying he's a replacement for Angolo Kante, who, of course, looks like he may well be leaving this summer with his £20 million release clause. Could well be another French, uh, another great French find for Leicester. Has to, to remain to be seen. I know you're a fan, Dave. Yeah, he's a, he's a different player to Conte, you know, more of a ball-playing dictator than Conte that's very energetic. So, you know, to evolve a side, you do... When you sell your sort of best players, you need to evolve your side in a different way. In my personal opinion, you don't want to sign too much of a like-for-like. You know, the side needs to continue its development. Um, and, and Mendy will continue the development of Leicester City. You know, it's, it's incredible that you know none of, none of the three have gone yet. We're sort of in July and uh, Vardy's there, Mahrez is there, and so is Conte. Imagine those three starting the first game of the Champions League. That'd be brilliant. Leicester fans will be very happy, I'm sure. Um, let's move on to free. Why, why are Crystal Palace making all these massive bids for strikers and they're well, not getting? We're coming onto it, Lawrence. I was about to say, let's end on some juicy transfer gossip. Um, seeing as you've brought it up, let's first talk about Christian Benteke to Crystal Palace. As you said, they're spending the big bucks. They have made a bid of thirty-one. Did I turn someone Siri on? What? Saying Benteke. Benteke. <laughs> I think it did. Someone. Christian Benteke. <laughs> Christian Benteke has 
been subject to a 31.5 million pound bid, Lawrence, from Crystal mm. Palace. Liverpool obviously looking to recoup snap, uh, snap most of the off. money. Yes, we'll take they it spent. instantly. Thank you. Is that your is that your attitude towards this one? Yeah. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> Wait, he doesn't fit in at the club. You, sorry, 31.5. Did you million? Yeah. Sure. We'll get the helicopter. <laughs> Do you not think he deserves more time? Or is, he, is it just, it, it's not going to work, may as well cut your losses now? I think he's struggled um, under Klopp. I think Klopp's been very mindful of that. I think then what, what I did find difficult was seeing someone like Origi come in and play that role very successfully. The one that Klopp seemed to be telling Ben Penteke to play. But Penteke not not refusing to do so, but struggling with that. Um, and then seeing other players come in and being able to execute that a lot easier. I guess it made me question, not in the same way as a lot of other Liverpool fans, because I think a lot of other Liverpool fans are very mean, sort of instantly sort of put him out on his ear. I remember at the West Ham game, uh, what was exciting was see Origi, Sturridge and Benteke all up front together. That was very exciting. Um, but he, he cut somewhat of a lonely figure last season. I wonder how Klopp's going, excuse me, going to deal with it. And at the same time, if someone bids thirty-one point five million for a striker that you're already sort of questioning, I, I just sort of—that's why I'm joking about the snapping the hand off. Just <laughs> put him on the back of the eagle, let him go. And also at the same time, bloody excites me to think of Christian Benteke playing for Crystal Palace. Cool. I think it's, it'll, it'll be a good move for Palace. It'll be a good move for Benteke. Pods. Good move for Liverpool. It sort of makes sense for everyone involved. If Pard's got a thirty million pound player, he will be he will be blowing his own trumpet for days <laughs> to come. Yeah, he signed. He signed, he signed mostly because I went in for a little chat with him, and uh, you know, I, I said, I said, you know, I used to, it was I used all to me. myself. Yeah, I used to score a few goals myself. He went, I know. I said, uh, <laughs> it was just banter. I said, I know. <laughs> what about uh, Paul Pog? Boom, Dave. Uh, this. Transfer rumour continues to rumble on this evening. The reports coming out that Manchester United are in the chase for Paul Pogba, but Real Madrid are leading the race. Now, this one's in The Guardian. Jamie Jackson, a very reputable reporter, very trustworthy. Let me just read out a little something. Let's see if this gets you really excited, Dave, or if it you know, you know, makes you feel more... This is never going to happen. Paul Pogba will join Manchester United only... If his first choice of Real Madrid proves impossible, with Jose Mourinho's hopes of securing the France midfielder resting on outbidding the Spanish club and meeting the players' wage demands of £250,000 a week. United and Real Madrid both want Pogba, but Juventus do, want, do not want to lose the Frenchman. This means the clubs would have to match Juventus's minimum £84 million, £100 million Euros, valuation in the first instance, and then there may well be a bidding war. If United were to offer a higher fee than Real and have this accepted, Mourinho would next have to mount the hurdle of Pogba preferring to play for the European champions rather than for United. So there you have it. It looks like, according to these reports, that Pogba is on his way out of Juventus. They're not going to sell for less than 100 million euros. Real Madrid is the first choice for Pogba, Dave. But Manchester United, sloppy seconds. This is, this is an interesting thing. Like I'm pretty sure that Pogba's got a really good relationship with Neymar and Messi. I'm pretty sure earlier on in the year, he kind of said he wanted to go, he, if he were to go anywhere, it'd be Barcelona. But I suppose that's how football works and how the media circus is around. But um, Pogba at Man United would be the, the sort of like the missing key to this team. You know, you see Mourinho uh, constructing a very, very fast um, front three with uh, a target man in the middle um, <laughs> in uh, Latani Mrinovic. But you need someone in midfield there. I feel if you're going to play three in midfield with one holding... Um, and then two in front, you need a player to sort of link that midfield and attack and score the goals. And who's that? Who's the best goal-scoring midfielder, central midfielder in world football right now? That's Paul Pogba. You know, he can hit it, he can create, he can do pretty much anything, a modern-day playmaker, and he has it all. So if Pogba were to come to Manchester United, you're probably going to say that Man United will win the Premier League. Oh, he's gone for it. I'll tell you what gives you hope, Dave. Mini Raiola brokered the deal for Mourinho to sign Zlatan Ibrahimovic. He's also set to seal the transfer of Henrik Mkhitaryan, who's also represented by Raiola. Raiola is understood, according to Jamie Jackson of The Guardian, believes Pogba will be better suited to a return to United rather than a move to Real. So the agent's influence, which seems to be pretty, uh, pretty significant 
in Manchester parts could may well see Pogba go to United, you know? Could work out. Boom. Um, before we finish up, I want to talk a little bit about the curious case of Chris Smalling. Now, I don't know if you've seen this one. Have you seen this one today, guys? Yeah, that poor guy. Now, all that food poisoning, making his head crack open. <laughs> so Weird, if it? you're unfamiliar with what's happened to Chris Smalling, the pictures emerged. Um, it wasn't confirmed if it was Chris Smalling or not. Pictures emerged of what looked like Chris Smalling on a hospital bed in Bali, uh, where he may be on holiday. Got a bandage around his head. He's signing uh, a shirt. Uh, all sorts of speculation yeah, on social good. media about what happened to him. Some people saying he got sort of stung by a jellyfish and had a fall or whatever. Everyone's very confused as to what happened. Luckily, Manchester United swooped in to clarify the situation and make things crystal clear. Chris Morling was suffering from food poisoning, um, which just made everything more confusing when pictures later emerged of Chris Morning with a massive gash on his eyebrow, uh, a really ugly cut. Uh, which just made the, the whole situation more confusing. So, Dave, this is your club. I mean, what is going on here? Did, is this Manchester United lying? Are they trying to cover something up? Is it simply that he, he fainted from the food poisoning? Is everyone reading too much into this? Did they get lied to? Yeah, what is happening right now? It just seems bizarre. I think uh, I've heard reports that him and Jack Grealish were, were on the lash with Gabby Abbondo. They were all doing balloons, um, and Chris right. doesn't usually do balloons. Allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. <laughs> get that in there before we get sued. Allegedly, all allegedly. Yeah, nice. Uh, yeah, so allegedly Smalling was um, was doing some balloons, and he had too, one, too much balloons, and he fell over and banged his head. Put another allegedly, allegedly. in it. Allegedly. Allegedly, yeah. Right. Um, some people say just the sheer pressure of the English press actually just made his head cave in. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That was just the, uh, the English press. It all got too much for him. Um, the official story is he took, got taken to hospital, he became unwell, which was the food poisoning, he fell over and hit his head. Now, I'm not sure where the, the jellyfish... United sounds like a dumb girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, they just, yeah, way too trusting, <laughs> yeah, just believe yeah. anything. No, yeah, no, he you're... was just saying, like, he, he, he got a bit of food poisoning the morning, the morning after he'd been out for a nice dinner with his, with his good friends, and um, it... it he had he had, didn't have any pants, but I oh, no one knows why. He didn't have any pants at the time, and um, those women, were, it was nothing. Um, but you know, I, God knows, I God knows, what a poor guy. Eh? It's just confusing because it's not like the rumours doing the rounds were so sort of salacious that you had to create a cover story. The story was that he got stung by a jellyfish and maybe fell <laughs> sorry, over after sorry. that. What? And, and that was then his... he got sick, and then he cracked his head open. What the unluckiest holiday ever after you've gone out to Iceland? I just have to. It's just all very bizarre. I'm pretty sure uh, we're going to be hearing about more, more than this, uh, more about this in the in the next few days to come. Because um, it's just or, or a series of just botched, literally just botched attempts at taking his own life after realizing what a terrible thing happened against Iceland. <laughs> it's just like the oh god. All very bizarre. I feel I mean, like Chris is the kind of guy who gets he gets things he gets tricks played on him. It reminds me of you know like when you hear about stories of the worst, sort of like the weirdest injuries. Do you hear about like Darius Fassell apparently had some sort of like uh, wart on his foot and he, his solution was to drill through his foot, drill it out. Um, that was an actual that thing is, that actually happened. That's not true. That is true. I swear to God. I'm gonna look it up right now. Darius Fassell drill. Google it. The first result. Da, 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 da. Drilled, he drilled his own toe. He attempted a do it yourself foot surgery that actually happened. Um, my favorite is uh, uh, Alessandro. Why, also, why would you do You're a footballer. I Literally, know. I imagine you can go I, to the club and you go, I've got a wart on my foot. They go, great, we'll get you straight into private healthcare and operated on today. My favorite is Alessandro Nestra, who, uh, who apparently said that he, uh, he got a bit into it on a, on a PlayStation session one time and he ruptured a tendon in his thumb and was out for a month, <laughs> which is just absolutely bizarre. Um, just to clarify the Darius Vassell surgery, he missed three games because of a problem with his toe, with part of the nail having to be removed after it became infected. Vassell was suffering with a big swollen toe, which he only succeeded in making worse when he drilled through the nail in the hope of draining blood and easing the pressure. So they have it, guys. Tweet oh, us okay, at the see, front three. That, that is different. That's, okay, that's fair enough. But still weird. Why would you drill for your own toe to try and relieve the pressure? It's bizarre. I know. I know people who have taken their own toenails off 
So oh. I don't think that's that weird. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Jesus. What about the guy who had a poached egg uh, exploding in his face? That was that was a thing. What? Mm. That was a real football injury. Yeah, even Benega ran himself over in a car and broke his leg and out of the World Cup. Also, there was someone who there was someone who was playing with his kids. Was it Petacek or was it uh, there's someone who was playing with his kids and he broke his leg? Um, David Batty suffered a knee ligament problem uh, when his two year old daughter ran over his ankle with her tricycle. That was a thing. Um, <laughs> Alan Wright uh, tried to uh, get Paul, Paul Gascoigne out of bed when he sort of fell asleep in a stupor. He tried and he failed. After he picked the bed up and tipped Gazza out, he then dropped it onto his toe and broke it. That was a thing. Um, oh, the famous Paolo Diogo. Uh, <laughs> He uh, ran into the crowd to celebrate after scoring a goal, only to catch his finger in the metal fencing, catching his oh, wedding yeah. ring on the <laughs> on the metal oh. fencing and tearing off half of his yep. finger. Oh, oh that is horrific. I, I also These things I, we did a Liverpool documentary and we interviewed the captain from the nineteen eighties, Phil Neal, and he said that during his time at Liverpool he broke his foot, but instead instead of them giving him time to recover, they bandaged it. Um, and found a boot two sizes bigger and then made him put that boot over the bandage Dick and see if he could still play. And he Dick played the next day. God. My Jesus. God, what a man. What a man. Um, guys, tweet us your weirdest football injuries at the front free on Twitter. That does bring an end to this week's podcast, today's podcast. When are we going to be back? Sorry, what's the worst football injury you've ever seen? Um, I've got to admit, the thing that made me went really bad was yeah. This is different. This is not a funny one. There is nothing ooh, funny about Joe Girl Cece breaking his leg. Yeah, twice. Get, get into dark. Just, not only that, just from running. Ooh, tempted to look up the video, no, but don't, I really don't do want to. Not, it, please don't. It's horrible. Guys, <laughs> thanks so much for listening. Um, thank you to Herr Solomon once again for his question. For now, though, Dave, it's been a pleasure, as always. Where can the good people find you until... I think we'll be back on Wednesday. Um, yeah. Go on to YouTube Ooh. and subscribe to Dave Talks. Nice. Doing the 10K before the Premier League start season. We've got 4K to go, so let's <sighs> do it. Let's do this. Uh, Lawrence? What's more realistic? Latin getting 20 goals or you reaching 10K by the Premier League season? It is only a month and a half away. That's not much time, Dave. That's you can do it. If we believe, if everyone listening right now goes and subscribes, they'll be almost halfway there, if not more. So they might be all the way there. I imagine they got some bleed over. People, there's yeah. You can't unsubscribe and then resubscribe, can you? Uh, No, that's not. Yeah. Um, Uh, Go and create some fake accounts. Go and subscribe to Dave. He'd be really grateful. Guys, go and subscribe to Dave Talks. You know it makes sense. Now, thank you so much for listening. We will speak to you on Wednesday. Until then, have a bloody good Tuesday.